I appreciate you being here to celebrate Easter uh, with us as well. If this is your first time or first time in a long time, as Shelby just said, my name's Mike and I'm the lead pastor here. And I hope you take a moment, listen, Easter's a big deal. Families gather together. Hope you take a moment to check out the mezzanine. We have a photo opportunity up there for you. Just get your family together and take a picture for Easter. It'll be great. Uh, hey, for the last few weeks, we've been looking at one word prayers. And those are prayers that... Uh, may literally only be one word. They're not necessarily just one word. But sometimes don't you just find yourself praying and it's more of just kind of a, I mean, you don't even have a complete thought formed around what you're asking or what, what you're doing or what you hope God will do or expect him to do. But my guess is all of us have prayed one word prayers at one point or another. Maybe it was help or thanks or please or, or why. Some of us have, have prayed sorry, and if you missed any of those messages, you can catch them all at our website. I hope you will. Today, the one-word prayer we're going to look at is a prayer that Jesus actually prayed on the cross. So if you have your Bibles, we're in Luke 23. Uh, if you have the version app, that, uh, that, uh, that our notes are there, as well as some quotes and some other things that we're talking about. But listen, here's the thing. This weekend, Easter weekend, is all about the death, burial, and resurrection, the empty tomb, right? It's the reason for our hope. It's why we celebrate this weekend with egg hunts and baskets and family gatherings and coming together here for church or maybe gathering together in your homes if you're joining us online to worship together there. But this weekend is huge because at the cross, listen, we find forgiveness for our sins. That's why we follow Jesus to the cross. But today I want to remind you of something else. There's something we find out about what's supposed to happen when we go away from the cross, right? When we follow Jesus away from the cross, there's another piece to the story. So let's check it out. Luke 23, beginning of verse 32. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him, that is Jesus, to be executed. And when they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. And the people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. And they said, he saved others. Let him save himself. If he's God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. So we're just going to stop there, because I think, you know, one of the things for us to recognize is that one of the reasons that Easter is celebrated by so many people is that Easter reminds us that Jesus knew he came to offer forgiveness, and that's really important. Uh, and I know, I know, I know, for some of us, we come to Easter, and we just, we know, we know, we know, we know, we know the story that we're going to get, right? And some of us, we love it. We love hearing the story, and it's why we come on big days like this, because we love this story. But others of us, you may have been... You may have been shutting down now for a little while today, right? Checking your phone, reading your email, looking at Facebook, playing Fortnite on your phone. <laughs> Probably just gave someone an idea. Listen, uh, you maybe feel like the little girl in Robin Wright's Sunday school class. She taught preschoolers, and on Easter, she's telling them the Easter story, and Jesus raises from the dead. She's describing how the women went to the tomb, and the angels saying, he's alive, he's risen, and all the preschoolers are clapping their hands except three-year-old Sierra who was unimpressed. She said, Miss Robin, didn't Jesus do that last year? Listen, I, I, and I get it, I get it, I get it, I get it. 
the two most difficult times of the year for people like me are Christmas and Easter. How do we tell this story that is so important and yet so well known? It has the ability to connect, with pe to connect people to the one who actually has the ability to change their lives. You've heard the saying, right? Familiar familiarity breeds... Maybe no one's heard that. Familiarity, <laughs> familiarity breeds contempt, right? And that may be true. I believe it is true. I also believe it's true to say that familiarity breeds apathy. But there's something about the hope of forgiveness, which is what the cross is all about. Here's the thing, because Easter reminds us that Jesus knew what he came to do. It also reminds us that he understood the cost of forgiveness. Uh, I don't know if there is ever a mode of execution more unmerciful than crucifixion. Today we use lethal injection so that condemned people feel as little pain as possible. I mean, even in the days of hangings and firing squads in the electric chair, the purpose was to end life quickly, uh, relatively. And as barbaric as the guillotine was, you have to admit it was designed to be thorough and instantaneous. Crucifixion was just the opposite. It was intended to prolong the agony of death as long as possible. Typically, before the actual crucifixion, those being crucified were scourged with a whip. It was pieces of bone and metal woven into the leather that was used to cut open the flesh on their back, on their legs. We know that Jesus was flogged with whips. We know that he was beaten with rods, punched in the face. He had a crown of thorns that was forced onto his head. Historians say that most people who were crucified didn't even survive the beating. And we know that the scourging was incomprehensible. Then the condemned were taken to a place called Golgotha. Literally, it means the place of the skull. It was, crucifixion was just so graphic, they couldn't even do it within the city of Jerusalem. So they would go to this hill of brutality. And once they arrived there, the condemned people would be nailed to crosses through their hands. Although that word also means wrists through their feet, which we place on a small platform. And every breath would just be excruciating because to breathe, you had to push up on your feet with that nail to catch a breath. Most people who were crucified died of suffocation. Our word excruciating literally means out of the cross. That's what crucifixion was. It was agonizing. It was excruciating torture. And I'm not, listen, I'm not trying to be sensationalistic about this. I just want to make sure that you know that when Jesus taught his followers the Lord's Prayer and, and he taught them to ask God to forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, asked him to forgive our debts, he knew who was going to pay the price for those debts. I don't know if you memorized John 3.16 uh, or not. I memorized it as a little kid. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus said that. Do you think he didn't know the cost when he said that? Listen, he, here's what makes that so personal today. Jesus didn't just come to offer forgiveness. He did. He, he came to offer forgiveness. But I want to make sure you get this. This is what makes it personal. Jesus came to offer forgiveness to me. And he came to offer forgiveness to you. And there's this part of me that wants that to be true. But my guess is there's a part of some of us who are afraid that you're the exception to the rule. And so when we read something like this, Paul wrote this to the early church, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all. By the way, that word compel means to drive 
forcibly. So we are forcefully driven by Jesus' love by Easter, by this story, because we're convinced that Jesus died for everyone. I mean, do you believe that? That Jesus died for everyone? Even those who are gambling for his clothes? Even for those who are sneering at him while he hung on the cross? Who were mocking him? Who nailed him to the tree? I do believe that. But here's something else I believe. I believe that at times we all struggle to believe that. There's something that we've done or not done, something that we've said or not said, something that we've thought, some place that we've gone. So let me ask you this. What single event in your life do you regret the most? What's that thing that if you could go back and, and fix that or, or relive that day or change that one decision, what would that be in your life? Because I'm guessing that all of us have something in our lives that we can and most likely do point to and say, and I, I hear everyone but this. <laughs> and, and we think that because of whatever this is, that everyone doesn't include me. And maybe it's not even something you did. <laughs> maybe it's something someone else did to you. Uh, and, and, may, and maybe you think that makes you unlovable. You can't even forgive yourself. You can't even accept yourself at times. How could he possibly? You know, this weekend is all about what Jesus was willing to risk to make it possible for you to heal past that. Easter doesn't just remind us that Jesus knew he came to forgive and that he knew the, the horrendous cost of that forgiveness. Easter reminds us that even 2,000 years ago, Jesus knew that you and I would be in a room like this today, wondering, can he really? Would he really do that for me? And so each week we come because we remember the cross and what Jesus did on it, not just for the world, although to be sure, he did do this for everyone in the world. But don't lose this. He did this for you and me. You are not hidden There's never been a moment You were forgotten You were not hopeless you have been broken, your innocence stolen. I hear you whisper underneath your breath. I hear your SOS, your SOS. I will send out an army find you in the middle of the darkest night it's true i will rescue you there is no distance it cannot be covered over and over you're not defenseless i'll be your shelter I'll be your armor. I hear you whisper under. 
together, uh, we remember. And so inside this packet, and we'll do this together in just a moment, is bread that reminds us of Jesus' body that was given for us on the cross. The Father sent his Son to rescue us. Let me say it a different way. God sent his Son to rescue you. And so we remember that. And the juice reminds us of his blood that was spilt for us on the cross because God wanted to make sure, the Father wanted to make sure that none of his kids missed the message of how much he loves you and what lengths he'll go to. He will never stop marching to find you in the middle of your hardest fight. It's true. He came to rescue you. So let's pray and then we'll remember together. God, thank you for the truth of the words to that song. And what makes them so powerful is that they're not just the words of a song. They are the story that we gather to remember. And not just because it's a great story to hear and we really like the characters and we like how it ends. But because it's true. And we know the depth of what it means to be in the fight of our life and losing and having nowhere to go. And then you show up. Thank you. Jesus, thank you for coming and taking a sin debt that we could not possibly pay. Thank you for coming and rescuing us. Thank you for giving us the promise that we can be children of God. Thank you. We love you. Thank you for loving us. And we pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. 
So we take the bread that reminds us of Jesus' body again. It is the story of Easter that was given for us on the cross. juice that reminds us of his blood that was spilt for us to cover our sins. He came looking for us. You didn't have to go looking for him. He came looking for you. And so we remember. Father, thank you for moments like this where we get to stop pretending. If we're willing, we can stop pretending. Because you see through any facade we might put up anyway. Help us to be honest with you. Help us to turn to you. Help us to remember that as followers of yours, we still need you. And for those, Father, who have not yet trusted you, Help them to recognize the love in this very act that we remember with this day and embrace it. Father, we're grateful and we pray this, Jesus, in your powerful name. Amen. So I want you to see one more time uh, what Easter reminds us. It reminds us that Jesus came to offer forgiveness. Notice that word off, offer is in big letters. Uh, when someone offers us something, our response is to what? If I were to offer you something, your response is supposed to be to receive it, right? I want to make sure you get this today. Easter reminds me that Jesus' forgiveness is not mine unless I accept it. Listen, there are two types of people in the world, only two types. Those who have accepted the offer of forgiveness and those who have not. And if we're being honest this morning, and since we're in church, you know, we may as well. Uh, uh, there are some of us here who have never accepted his offer of forgiveness. And I'm not a prophet, and I can't read minds, and I can't see your heart. I just know the types of people who come to services like this. So I want to make sure you know that God says that he will acquit, uh, accept and acquit us and declare us not guilty if, 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 if we trust Jesus to take away our sin. And we can all be saved in this way by coming to Christ, no matter who we are, no matter what we've been like. Yes, all have sinned, all fall short of God's glorious ideal, yet now God declares us not guilty of offending him if, 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 if we will trust in Jesus Christ, who in his kindness freely takes away our sin. Listen, can I tell you the Easter story? It's just the continuation of a story of a father who has always wanted us back. And it goes all the way back to the very beginning of the book, right? God created us to have a relationship with him. And this isn't just the story about a guy who a long time ago. It's a story about a God who's trying to restore this connection with us. Because somewhere along the line, we blew it. Our sin caused this separation between us and God, a barrier. And in the beginning, those of us who are familiar with the Bible at all, we know that in the beginning it's the story of Adam and Eve and sin came into the world through them. We get that. But my problem isn't that Adam and Eve sinned. My problem with God is that I sin. And your problem with God isn't that Adam and Eve sinned. 
your problem with God is that you sin. And I don't know what it's been for you. And maybe you hope no one ever finds out what it was for you because it's just embarrassing. It would embarrass you to death if anyone found out. But our sin, it causes us to back away from him. But especially at Easter, this story, listen, we all love to play with kids. We all love to do the egg hunts. We all love the candy and all that kind of stuff. But you and I both know this day is way bigger than that. It's way more important than that. So we're aware that we need to try to be on the right side of this story. We try to be good enough. And maybe you're this morning, maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking, man, I hope he's taking attendance because here I am, right? And maybe you went out and you got something new to wear today in case he's taking a picture, you know, to look at later and he'll see you looking good. We try to do enough good things to outweigh the bad things because if we can somehow get the scales to weigh in our favor. But the problem is we can't get it done. None of us can be good enough on our own, so each time we fall short, and the reason we're trying to fix this thing in this lifetime is because we know if we don't, it follows us into the next. And that's an eternal separation from God. And that's called hell. It is the eternal separation from God's presence and his love. The good news is today marks the celebration that 2,000 years ago Jesus would come and take care of this sin debt that you and I owed. He did it on the cross, which acts as a bridge to allow us to cross back over to God. And the Bible says that if you want to make that move from where you are where you are to him, if you haven't already done it, some of us have, but if you haven't, there's just three things you need to do. And the first one is simply just believe. And so really the question is, do you? I mean, seriously, do you believe this story? I mean, I'm not sure why you're here. Do you believe that Jesus really lived a sinless life and died on the cross for you? He's God's son. That Easter's true. I mean, did he really come out of the grave on Easter Sunday? Is he really at God's right hand waiting to come back and take his kids to be home with him? Do you believe that? John 3, 16, we talked about it earlier. That if you just believe that, you'll be saved. Number two, you need to repent. That just means admit to God, I blew it. It's not my mom's fault or my dad's fault. It's not my kid's fault. Not anyone else's fault. Those were my decisions. I caused that. Because Acts 3 tells us that if we repent and turn to God, that our sins will be wiped out. And the third thing is we need to be baptized. Acts 2.38 says it's this physical sign of this decision that we've made, a commitment that we are making to Jesus. And all of us, listen, everyone in the room, everyone online, we're all in that picture somewhere. We're on one side of the cross or the other. And if you're wanting to make that move, if you realize you are on the the wrong side of the cross, that you want to get over to the other side to be with Jesus and God, listen, I I would love to talk to you about this. If this has been on your mind, I'm going to be right up front after the service this morning. Or you can connect online with the online host. We want to talk to you about this. We can set up a time to talk about it. But I also want to make sure you get this. No one's ever gotten to that point of decision by themselves. If you have made the decision to follow Jesus, check your story. Somewhere along the line, someone came alongside of you and helped you, which is why Paul would remind the church, we are Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. He made his appeal through someone else in your life. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Listen, what someone has done for you, don't you know someone who who needs someone that they trust? There's someone in your life that you love, and they need someone that they trust to help them know that Jesus loves them. 
and that you can help them follow him too. Someone who can say, listen, I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm not sinless. I'm not saying anything even remotely close to that. But I will say, with Paul, you can follow my example as I follow the example of Jesus. And every year we're drawn to this word because of how it changes our life, or at least it has the possibility of changing your life. Your Heavenly Father is saying, you can start over. And this time, this time I'll help you. Because for those of us who have already received Jesus' forgiveness, right? I mean, you saw the card on your chair, right? When you came in, that's what this is all about, being forgiven. But there's a flip side to the story, if you haven't flipped that over yet. Easter doesn't just remind me that Jesus came to offer forgiveness to me. Easter reminds me that Jesus reminds Jesus' followers that Jesus came to offer forgiveness through me. His words on the cross, forgive, wasn't just for us to receive. He was setting an example for us to follow. When Jesus was suspended between heaven and hell for the sins of all people, including those that were there that day, don't you suppose that he knew that there were more there in the crowd who hated him than loved him, who cheered for his death rather than wept for his death, who applauded more than sighed? I do. Because I think Jesus was realistic about people. And we need to be as well. And because Easter is more than remembering his death on the cross, it's about how life should be lived on this side of the empty tomb. Paul would remind us, be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgive each other. Forgive each other. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. Not only are we forgiven... The flip side of Easter is we're called to forgive others. Easter isn't just about forgiveness for you. It's about forgiveness through you. And I know many of us, all of us, have real issues that we're dealing with. Maybe you've been hurt badly by someone that you trusted. Maybe you were hurt by a trusted friend this week. Maybe it's, maybe it's something that a church person said to you at some point. Maybe you actually feel the weight of what C.S. Lewis said. It's in the nose. I want you to take it home. To be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. And when you think about what someone has done to you, it is excruciating to think about forgiving them. Listen, Easter at the heart level, it can be hard. But if we're going to follow Jesus, if we're going to live on mission, we will extend to others what we have received from him. So I hope you can hear this. Marianne Williamson said the practice of forgiveness is our most important contribution to the healing of our world. And if you've never accepted his offer, today Jesus is extending forgiveness to you again. But you have to decide if you want to receive it. Keep in mind, I'm going to be right up front if you want to talk about that. But somebody already did today. Todd came during our first service this morning to take Jesus up on his offer. Check this out from just this now. morning. I'm here with Todd, who I first got to meet last week when we were talking about this. And um, I asked him, as Mike was talking about, when he wanted to be baptized. And he said, well, I think on Sunday morning, because that'd be best, right? And I wholeheartedly agree, because this decision that you're making here today for yourself is also a witness to everybody here that this gift that Jesus offered is for anybody that wants to, to accept it, receive it. Um, and so, Todd, because of your decision to follow Jesus, I'll have you repeat this confession after me. I believe that Jesus is the Christ. I believe that Jesus is the Christ. The Son of the living God. The Son of the living God. 
And I accept him as my Lord and Savior. And I accept him as my Lord and Savior. Now, because of your confession and the desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life, I'm going to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit for the forgiveness of your sins, the gift of the Holy Spirit, and the promise of eternal life. Would you all stand?